a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hibites, and Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to meditate upon your word. Open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Unite our hearts to fear your name. Incline our hearts to know you and to pay attention to you. And satisfy us with your faithful love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you know, I've, I just came back from uh, Creek Collective. Can anybody tell me, in your own words, what Creek Collective is about? We've been praying for the Creek Collective for a while. If you know, you can raise your hand and I'll give you a chance to uh, speak a little bit. Of, uh, describe what Creek Collective is about, in essence. Anybody? Yes. Yes. Um, it's actually church planting or revitalizing, but the predominant focus is on church planting. That's what they're about. They're about church planting in predominantly black and brown communities because these communities are typically neglected. So when people are saying, we want to church plant everywhere, what they typically mean is, we want to church plant in areas that we're comfortable going to. But in predominantly black and brown communities, they don't want to go because it's hard. Not only is it hard, but you don't get enough money. You don't get enough funding from the members there. People are moving out of that city rather than into that city. But I got the opportunity with PJ to spend about uh, four quality days with those brothers. And I was really blessed. But one of the blessings that I want to share to you about is I went to a National Museum of African American History in DC. How many of you guys have ever been there? Nobody. So it consists of four floors. Um, I went without any expectation. But when I went, oh man, I was, I went in with a cheerful heart because I was joking around with a, with a different brother. As I was going down the escalator to the first floor of the basement to start my tour, or the exposition. All the laughter and the cheerfulness really got choked out because of the heaviness of the content. It starts with from 1400, how Africans were kidnapped from their uh, residence and deported or uh, exiled to European countries and the Americas. From then on, Africans were neglected, oppressed, and even to this day, the effects are felt today amongst African Americans here living in the US. And as I was thinking about their experience, I couldn't help but think, Lord, 600 years of oppression. Obviously you guys know that I'm Korean. When I think about oppression, I might think about the oppression that Koreans might have felt from the Japanese empire. That was in the 50s and 60s. But that only um, persisted for about 20 to 30 years. But African oppression has been going on for 400 plus years, no, 600 plus years. I couldn't help but think, why? 
how often or how prolonged will this wickedness persist? Where are you? Where are you in this trial? Where are you in this burden? All of us, as Christians, we go through trials and burdens. That might be um, particular to you or just the human race. As you're a sinner, in fighting against indwelling sin, you might be thinking, I am fighting against this particular sin for a long time and this is now a trial for me, a burden for me. As Yek has preached in the morning, he was talking about how long do I have to struggle with this particular sin over and over and over again? When will I learn? That's one area of trial. But maybe you're going through a different trial. How long do I have to suffer with this particular trial? If you're taking notes, the main goal of today's message is very simple. Fix your attention to the Lord in your misery. Fix your attention to the Lord in your misery. There are three ways that you can fix your attention to the Lord. First, pray. Second, look. Third, wait. Pray, look, and wait. The problem with our trials is the fact that we don't have an exact end date. Doesn't that perplex us? Doesn't that add to the burden of our trial? I mean, for Anna, there's a trial of me not being home for almost a month. There's an end date there. But for a lot of us, our trials don't really have an end date. We might think of an end date, but it doesn't work according to our plans and purposes. How easy would it be if our trials were similar to our urge to pee? If we have the urge to pee, there is a release channel. We simply need to go to the restroom, release ourselves. Praise the Lord. But our trials don't work in such a way. We don't know when it will come to an end. It's not a quick release. It persists. The burden is heavy. It stops for a little while, but it comes in waves. It doesn't stop with a snap of a finger. It just persists and keeps, keeps going. And it's not one and done. It reminds us of our limitations. And that's kind of seen here in, even in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7. When you think about the oppression that the Egyptians or the Israelites were going through um, in the days of living under a harsh rule in Egypt, they don't have an end date. Look at verse uh, 23 of chapter 2. In chapter 2 verse 23, it says, After a long time, the king of Egypt died. Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor. They cried out and their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the Israelites and God knew. The time that this was explained to the time now 
about 60 years or 40 years have passed. So Israelites are going through their trial for at least 40 to 60 years under harsh rule. If you're wearing a similar shoes or being in their shoes, you might be thinking, I don't know when this is coming to an end. And that's the harshness part of the trial because we don't know when it's coming to an end. But look down with me to the verse that we read today, chapter three, verse seven. God says, I have observed and I have heard. So saints, in your trials and in your burdens, God hears and God sees. Let me repeat that one more time. In your trials and in your burdens, God hears and God sees. You may not feel like God hears and God sees because you might equate if God heard and if God saw, my trials would be lifted up. I would no longer have that burden, but that's not how God hears. That's not how God sees. God sees and hears in the midst of your ongoing trial and burdens. Even in the days of Moses here, the trial and the burden of being enslaved by Egyptians hasn't ended. But God says, I see you and I hear you. But not only does God see and hears, He also acts. But before I go to that point, I want to talk about um, prayer. An application for you might be, make your trials your prayers. Form a habit of quickly going to prayer, even if trials are small. What do you do when you're hungry? You eat. What do you do when you're thirsty? You? Yes. What do you do when nature calls? You go to the? Yes. When there is a small trial, you pray. Even if it's a very small trial, pray a brief prayer. Develop a pattern of praying. I'm not sure if I've told you this story. When I used to go to CBU Cal Baptist, answers up. When I used to go to Cal Baptist, um, I had a roommate who over-spiritualized everything. And um, I remember sitting down um, on one of the staircases. I'm having a conversation with this guy named Rob, and he told me, Peter, my phone broke, and I can't find my phone. <laughs> and he said, let's pray. And I said, pray? You want to pray because your phone is broken and you can't find your phone? We should just be looking for your phone. After we found this phone, his phone still wasn't working. And what did he say? He says, Peter, let's pray. I just didn't understand why. But even in our reality, the, the reality that we live in, we don't turn to the Lord in small trials because we think it's not worth it for us to pray. But we want to develop a pattern of praying for even the smallest trials. Why? Because the Lord hears and the Lord sees. The Lord hears us just as the Lord has heard the cries of His people in, under a harsh Egyptian rule. So saints, keep praying and pray to the Lord in your trials. 
and acknowledge even the category of functional atheism. When you don't pray, when you try to take care of the problem by yourself, that might actually be a functional atheism. You don't believe God exists, you don't believe God ordained this. You don't believe God is hearing you. You actually, in that moment, as you lack prayer, you are saying, the Lord is not there, the Lord is not powerful, the Lord is indifferent, the Lord doesn't hear. So I need to take care of this myself, and I need to fix this. That's not the design of trials within our lives. The design of trials within our lives is to come to an end of ourselves and to make our tri trials a prayer. Next, look down to verse um, 8. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. The next point is to look. Like I said, God not only hears and not only sees, not only understands, but God is someone who stoops down and He acts. When he says, I have come down, he has come down through the means of Moses. But as we know, as New Covenant Christians, God has heard our prayers, prayers of older saints, and he has sent Christ. Friends, if you're not a Christian joining us today, I want to tell you the greatest news. That is, God condescended 2,000 years ago. He has come to rescue His people from the ultimate problem of sin. You can't fix yourself, I can't fix myself. We have a God-sized hole that only God can fill. And we have a God-sized problem that only God can fix. So friends, if you're here, hearing this message for the very first time, Christ has come. He's the one whom you need. He's the one who's died on our behalf. So when you repent and when you turn to treasure Christ and believe in Christ, God says, I will forgive you. You no longer need to fix yourself. You can't fix yourself. So I have come. The funny thing is, we try to muscle up and try to fix our own problems oftentimes. Both saints and friends, we need to know that and understand that our help comes from not within, but from outside. Our help always comes from outside and not from within. Your help is outside of you. Lastly, we are called to wait. And that wait is waiting on the promised land. Look down with me to verse 8. God says, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land. That's the promise. The promise is to, God will bring His people to the promised land. The application there is for us to wait. You know, waiting is something that everyone does. Everyone waits. But a Christian way of waiting is a bit different. We don't ultimately escape to different elements to distract ourselves as we wait. We actively wait, meaning we face what's right in front of us, and we pray, and we wait. When does our waiting end? 
an earthly sense, we don't know when it'll end. Your singleness, your infertility, in your fight and struggle against this particular sin, we don't know in an earthly sense when that will end. We don't have an exact end date to your trial in an earthly sense, but in a heavenly sense, there is an end and a fulfillment. And that is Jesus coming again. And when He comes a second time, He fulfills the promise to bring the new heavens and the new earth. So saints, remember, even as you fix your eyes and attention to the Lord in your misery, God sees you, God knows you, God acts in Christ, and God has promised in Christ, that is the new heavens and the new earth. So let us wait expectantly, reminding each other to wait upon the appearance of the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to not only reflect, but treasure your word in our hearts. May your word dwell richly within us today. In Jesus' name, amen.